Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to FCN's podcast. Emily, what are we talking about this week? Today is the sales tax extravaganza. It's a very exciting topic today. We, ha- we had to hit- make it a little more exciting because sales tax doesn't really sound, sound fun. So uh, Until you get a, <laughs> uh, an audit letter from a state right. that you can uh, expect to get an audit letter from. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's try and prevent that from happening. Yes. So where do you want to start? So I'm going to just talk through the original question that popped up in Facebook and then go through some specific questions. So the original question was, if you sell courses, digital products like eBooks or a software like Money Coach was her example to a client where there is no live coaching component, what software do you use to calculate and collect to keep track of the sales tax? So she was looking for advice on what other people were using for sales tax. And it was we got crickets. There was no responses except for me saying, hey, we should talk about this. And so we thought it would be a really good thing to talk about because it told us that um, really nobody's thinking about it. So yeah, we thought it would be a good topic. So can we start with, let's talk about what products are taxed. Where's that line for what some, when you know something is taxed? Yeah. So let's start with uh, every state has its own rules. Right. <laughs> And the general statement of, well, if I don't live in that state, I don't have to follow that state's rules is absolutely false. um, We can kind of talk a little bit about that later and and get into Nexus and the Supreme Court court case around that. But with regard to what products are taxed, it depends on what state you live in. So generally speaking, Almost all physical products are taxed in states that have sales taxes. Not all states have sales taxes, right? But in states that have sales taxes, um, all uh, products are taxed, right? The the interesting thing is some states that don't have sales taxes on products do have sales taxes on some services. So there is a little bit of weirdness with regard to that. And the uh, you know, there are certain types of products that aren't taxed, but those are generally what are considered necessary for living products. So for example, groceries in many states are not taxed. Right. Then we get into the services question and the services vary widely by state and it is a little bit complex. Um, so do you want to explore that? Let's start. Yeah. Let's start with specific states. So how do I, so I did some research on my own state. Okay. And, and found out a lot that I had not re- yet researched. So it was a really good experiment for me. Um, found out that I'm okay right now, um, but everybody's state is different. So how do I do that research to find out what's required in my own personal state? 
So most states will have an economic development department. They may have, or they have the um, franchise tax board, or they'll have their basically their own version of the IRS, right? Of the federal IRS. And that's where you'd want to start is reaching out to them and doing that information there. I would stay away from looking for blogs or articles unless it's from a company that is extraordinarily reputable and works with Fortune 500 companies on solving this problem. Right. Because you don't know the veracity of that blog writer. So I would go straight to the state. Yeah. Um, If you ever get audited, if you say, well, this blog told me. They are going to laugh at you just, laugh, just like, like I did. If you laughed at me, right? If on the yeah. other hand, you say, well, no, here is the thing on the state's franchise tax board website, the official agency that collects sales taxes for my state or whatever your agency is called. And it clearly states this, then that is probably going to be a good defense in the audit to at least avoid any penalties and possibly interest because the state misled you on their site, right? So I would start going to your state's actual governmental website on this topic to find out uh, your state's rules. So I, I just Googled, I think I Googled like Colorado sales tax. And then it took me to, like, I picked the site that was the official site. So, yeah. I mean, is that, it's, it's a starting point. It, it's it kind a starting of point. Then the you in the right direction. What about your city and your county? Exactly. So exactly. layered to on look. top of yep. that are your city and your county taxes. Yep. So I ended up going all the way to my county and city. And so, yeah. So you want to make sure you, you cover all the different layers. of te- Just like when you established your business, you want to look at all the different layers to make sure that you right. check all the boxes for each one of them. Exactly. Yep. And the, the challenge comes you then have to do that to every state, county, and city that you uh, have to collect sales taxes in. So now, okay. Have- so let's yeah. let's talk about that part of it. Yes. So, am I collecting sales tax for me, my business, where my business is established, or am I collecting sales tax? I already know the answer, but I'm asking for that everybody else. <laughs> am I collecting sales tax based on where my clients are based? So sales tax is based on where the product is purchased and used. So you would be collecting it where the product is purchased. Okay, so let's take a step back. The sales tax is actually a tax paid by the customer. So the customer is the one paying the tax, not your business. Your business has a legal obligation to collect sales tax in states that have jurisdiction over your business. So your legal obligation and where you're going to have the big problems come up is if you are legally required to collect sales tax and you don't. So you collect sale, you're basically the mini IRS on behalf of the government in this case. And so the the sales tax is always based on where the customer lives. The only question is, are you legally required to collect sales tax for that particular customer? If you live in the state, if your business is located in the state and your customer is located in the state, that is automatically a checks box if there is a sales tax applied. Right. So within your state, 100%, you definitely have a sales tax obligation. Okay. Customers outside of your state, 
then it becomes an issue of what's called economic nexus. Economic nexus is a legal concept of do you do enough business in that state for the state to have jurisdiction over your business, regardless of whether you have a physical location in that state or not. There was a recent Supreme Court case that changed economic nexus rules, and it changed them based upon some states that had tried to create economic nexus for businesses that did not have any business locations in their state. No. Okay. One of the things that I think is really important around this is that Supreme Court ruling did not do what a lot of people think it did. So there were a number of states that said, if you have X, Y, or Z number of amount of business with us, with customers in our state, even if you have no uh, business locations in the state, then we will um, collect uh, sales tax. We will collect sales tax on you. There were a few companies that fought that and said, no, we don't have any actual physical location. So therefore you don't have nexus. So you don't have jurisdiction over us. And it went up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled that those states rules were constitutional. Meaning we know for a fact that states that have those rules or less stringent rules absolutely can collect sales tax. But the Supreme Court did not say that if a state comes up with stricter rules that try to capture more people, that that's not constitutional. So a state could come up with another set of stricter rules and try to test that if they wanted to. I think it was Montana. Hmm. I think it was Montana. They, during this entire, when this entire process was going around, they were propagating a rule that if your site puts cookies, uses cookies, you have nexus in the state of Montana. (laughs) Wow. You put a cookie on our resident's computer. That means that 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 computer is now being used for your business. And as a result, you now have a business computer, thousands (laughs) of business computers in our state. (laughs) Wow. So just the act of using cookies was going to be their their strategy. Now, that never made it to the Supreme Court. So that does not mean that that's an unconstitutional thing. It's never been. Just haven't been tested yet. Yeah. So are they get, are they able to are they collecting sales tax based on that? No, right now I I I once the first one went to the Supreme Court and they won, they backed off from that position. Okay. Likely temporarily, right? Until okay. the next um and it may not be Montana. I I believe it was, but I may be wrong about the state. It's been a long time since this was, you know. Right. Yeah. In my when was that? Article. When was the Supreme Right. We, had, we both had to do a lot of research for this podcast. Yeah. So, so can we summarize this in a nutshell? So if I have a client in, I don't know, any other state, Montana, let's say, since you just said Montana, and their rules are less strict for sales tax than where I am, then they can collect sales tax. Your state's clients. rules are irrelevant. Right. And then Your I need to follow rules. the state's rules of Montana. Of whatever your, but, wherever your customer is. Yeah. Wherever the customer is. Okay. So let's talk about the rules. 
right? Okay. And yep. there are uh, a few different levels for this. Okay. All of these are so where the Supreme Court said is at this bare minimum, this is absolutely constitutional. So the bare minimum was $100,000 or 200 transactions. That was the bare minimum. Two. 200 transactions. Okay. We'll get to what that means in a second. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the, um, you know, so a lot of people will look at that and say, oh, well, I don't make $100,000. That's not necessarily what it says. It's, it's can be or. So there are some states that don't have any economic nexus laws. So you can kind of just ignore those. Uh, there are states that say only $100,000, right? So once you sell $100,000 of business in our state, you will then have next, we will then have nexus and you have to collect sales taxes. Um, you know, there are states uh, that say $500,000 and a minimum of 100, 100 transactions. The real one we have to worry about are the states, and there's quite a few of them, that are $100,000 or 200 transactions. And those are the states where if you have 200 transactions, even if you've only made $50, you are required to collect sales taxes. So let's talk about what a transaction is. Yes. <laughs> All right. So a customer hires you and you have a six month program that you allow to uh, them to pay it over the course of 12 months. 12 transactions. Right. So it only takes two customers. Wait, two, what is it? 200? Sorry. Is the, is the, two transactions. Is, yeah. Is the, is the, so, number, right. Okay. Um, by the way, they could theoretically go down to a hundred. So if a state wanted to, they could go down to 100 and still not be having to worry about retaking it up to the Supreme Court. Okay. But uh, 200 transactions, if you are looking at monthly payments from customers, you're looking at, uh, what is that, around 15 customers? Yeah, not very many. Yeah, 15 clients. Uh, now, that's 15 clients in that state. So right. your business would be doing pretty well at that point. Yeah. Right. So this is not going to hit you until you're stable enough or, st or significant enough that it actually does help. Right? Yeah. Um, but let's say that you get to that point because there are this, some in here that are at that point. They are. And is this, is this a total or is this per year? The, each year. Each year. Yeah. Okay. So now there hasn't been January. a there hasn't been a case that is challenged when someone has had Nexus and then dropped off of Nexus. And right. so there could be a possibility that it's once you have Nexus, you always have Nexus. Mm. Right. Okay. So but that, by then you've got it figured out, hopefully. You right? would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so now let's talk about what types of things yes. are sales tax oriented, right? So there are six categories that sort of play out with regards to laws throughout the states of services. So we're only looking at services right now. There are six different categories that play out. Uh, the first uh, type of service are what are called services to tangible, per tangible personal property. We can ignore that one. That's like 
having your toaster repaired. Okay. Yeah. Services to real property, unlikely that a financial coaching business would be a service to real estate of some sort. Business services, unlikely that a financial coaching service is going to be a business service because that is a possible. It's possible. They might work with business owners. And then would that not be count as that? No, because this would be um, performed for companies. When you work with business owners, you're performing it for a company owner. Now, if you had bookkeeping, if you were a bookkeeper that did bookkeeping services for a business, then yes, right? Because you're performing business. It's for the business versus for the person. Got it. Okay. I could see something where a financial coach provides, and there are a few people that try to do this, financial wellness for the employees of business owners. But while there are people that do this, uh, I've seen a lot of posts in the Facebook community where they've where other people have struggled with trying to do that. So I don't know, um, I don't know how likely that is, right? And that would count as service to a business. That would count as services because right, the business. business is paying you to help you employees. Okay, exactly, exactly. So uh, any, anybody that's doing that, offering it, and the employees <laughs> are paying you directly. This is the business is paying you for it. Different, right? The business. And yeah. they're, they're having those cases. So hopefully they're hearing yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's amusement and recreation. Unlikely it would fall into that category. <laughs> yeah, right? pretty unlikely. So now we've got our last two categories, right? And those are personal services and professional services. Okay. The uh, personal services are basically what it sounds like services to persons. So kind of that example of it's not business services going to the entrepreneur, right? And professional no. services are the least taxed area. So now a lot What's of the difference is are jumping up and down. Oh, good. I'm a professional service. Highly right. right. My financial coaching is a professional service. Yours is not. Because you work with business owners. Nope. No, why? Because I am a licensed registered investment advisor. You have to okay. have a government license. Professional, professional license, service. got it. Okay. And that's, that is probably why they are the least tax areas because those professional license organizations have lobbying power, right? So if you are a massage therapist uh, and you are, a licensed massage therapist in your state, you would probably fall in the state under professional services. And if you are not a licensed massage therapist, you would fall under personal services. Okay. Most financial coaches don't get licensed. And so as a result, they're going to fall under the personal services side. Okay. And then different states will collect taxes on different groups. Uh, Personal services is much more common to be collected on right? Uh, professional services. It's pretty rare. I think there's only three or four States that do professional services. And there's uh, like a dozen States that do personal services. I saw in, so when I looked up Colorado, I remember there was something specific about support, like it support. So support for, you know, technical 
whatever it was, AT basically. So I was thinking, is that something that is kind of like money coach? Like if I have, if someone is using a software through me and I'm just there for technical support, would that be counted as that? I don't know what, which one of those, those that falls under. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of states, not all, but a, uh, I shouldn't say a lot. Some states have what they call a true object test. And this is generally for the, for tangible products, but the, um, but a similar type of philosophy may be applied in, in the state, right. And with, with regards to other things. And basically what it is, is when you have a product that has a tangible product and a service that's associated with it, right. The question is, which one is the true object of the purchase person is buying, right? So for example, okay. uh, when you go to, when you go out for an evening out on the town with your husband, you might go to a, um, you might go to a play and to dinner. The true object of dinner is probably the food because that's what you're buying. The service is right. just there to provide it. Right. The true object of the play, even though you've got a bunch of stuff that comes with physical things that come with the play, like the program that you take home and, and so on and so forth, the true object of the play is probably a service. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Entertainment. Uh, yep. Okay. And probably under the amusement side. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 There you go. Amusement. <laughs> so the, you know, now, that does not mean that you can rely on that for your state or every state that's out there because every state is going to have its own rules and they're going to interpret what that true object is, right? And with financial coaching, um, you know, whether you're using software like Money Coach or whether you are using Excel spreadsheets or other things like that, there is both a product and a service that is associated with it. Right. And so the question becomes, which one of those is dominant? And that's a hard thing to, you may have a well, strong hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's the product because if it needs a lot of service, then it's not a very good product. Well, no, right? But if I'm, if I'm working with clients on a monthly basis, once a month I'm well, meeting them, yeah. but they're using the software on a daily basis, I might say, no, my working with them is the more valuable thing. And the state might say, no, the software is the more valuable thing. Okay. Right. And you're just there to help them with using it. It doesn't matter how you perceive your business. Right. How 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 the state. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So what I would say is, as you start to get close to 50, 60 transactions in a state, that's when you need to start really looking into it. Right. Uh, you need to look into it for your own state because you automatically have nexus for customers in your own state, for clients in your own state. Yeah. But as you start to get close to 50 transactions, so you'd be looking at if you're charging monthly four clients in a single state. Once you hit four yeah. clients in a single state, uh, and it definitely once you hit five in a single state, you need to start looking at that much more diligently. Can you? I guess if you're worried about reaching it halfway through the year, do you, can you go back and how would you do that? Would you go back and calculate how much, like, would you, I mean, you just eat it as a business owner, I assume at yeah. that point. Um, 
But yeah, yeah you have you, to, right? You have to. That's why you want to start at 50 to 60. At 50, yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, because if you have four clients, you've or five clients, you've only got a few more clients to bring on before you hit that hundred transaction. You want to have that that gap period, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you bring on those extra few clients between then and the end of the year, you're ready for the next year, right? Because um, if you have you know four clients or five clients in a single state, and you have a good service, then your referrals may come from that state more likely than any other state. And yeah. so you're more likely to hit in the next year that that threshold of the you know 10ish or so clients that would actually um, start to create a concern. Okay. So we're running out of time, but the big the big question then is of course and she asked it again, and it was my next question, actually, Debbie, which is what software can we use? So she actually suggested a few. I did a little research. Um, I did not look into these two. She has Alav- Avalara. So that's Taxjar. one of the few companies that actually do this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or Taxjar, potentially. I haven't heard of Taxjar, but Avalara okay. is a company that does this. Um, yeah. And by the time you have that kind of income, you can afford those softwares right exactly yeah and And i think the key is to find one that don't skimp on it find one that will actually work and help you and not make you do all the research yourself because like we just said like researching in my own state it took a while to research it and you don't want to have to do that for every single client i mean all the way down to the city it's that's a lot of research so yeah yeah um avalara would be one that would be um they're one of the big ones. They do a lot of different companies. So that's definitely one that would be worthwhile looking at. Tax jar, I've never heard of. Um, so I can't comment on that one way or the other. The um, acuity isn't going to do it for you. So she mentioned that's acuity. what she said. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you did some research and you yes. want to just go over what you found yeah. with research. I'll just quickly walk through these because these are the common ones that most people use to collect um, their sales. So I just wanted to go through those. So Venmo, right on Venmo's site, it says Venmo does not collect or remit tax sales or other taxes on your behalf. It's very, very clear on that. So Venmo, no. (laughs) PayPal um, will collect it for you, but it's based on the rates that you specify in your account profile. So you you pick one tax and that's it. So that won't work either. Stripe, it was a little unclear as to whether or not it says they automatically collect the right amount of tax. I'm just not sure exactly. It might be, I don't know if it's based on what you put in or if it's, well, it does say Stripe tax lets you calculate, collect, and report tax. So it kind of implies, and it does say global as well here um, for Debbie, who was asking that question about global, but it sounds again, like it's only one set rate that you pick. Um, But also keep in mind that with Stripe, um, one of the restricted businesses that's listed very specifically says financial products or services. So be very and careful. Let's yeah. put a pin in that for let's let's okay. that real quick. Okay. Yeah. Because a lot of coaches would say, well, how are they ever going to know? Or I'm on Stripe and they haven't caught me. This is one of the fundamental problems with doing that. Because if Stripe is collecting sales taxes and financial services is not included and it's you cannot have it on stripe 
even if you are in it, we know for a fact you are not collecting the correct sales tax because Stripe does not have their system set up to collect your sales taxes. Right, right. So there's no way to set it up to work properly. So, so if yeah. you're on Stripe, absolutely it's not going to right. collect the correct sales tax because it literally says we don't do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's out. Um, Square, I looked up Square because somebody mentioned that specifically. Uh, you Square is based on like the point of sales. Right. right purchases. So it's really it's made it's designed for you to have and you can have multiple locations but it's it's made to like have a business, right? So you put in the tax for wherever you're located physically. And so it's not really meant for for this purpose. Yeah. So so, so those are the top you're going to be doing a lot of research on your own with Square. Yeah, a lot of these yeah, exactly. Um and I don't even know if you can do I don't know how I don't know if there's a limit to how many point of sale locations you can have that Maybe there isn't. I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, again, I you have to do the research. there wouldn't be a limit, but they may increase certain charges after a certain point or something along those lines. Probably, yeah, yeah. that would make sense. And and then that, those are the kind of the top ones. When we we recommend Advice Pay, and we have not yet had that conversation with Advice Pay about um, how they handle that. So that's something that we'll have to follow up with them and let people know. So I apologize. That's my fault. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's to that yet. very busy. <laughs> yes. Yes. We are very busy. Uh, so she, so Debbie wants, is curious about the global tax. Yeah. So once you go internationally, it becomes much more complicated because now not only are you going to have to look at the uh, the tax laws of the country that you're in, you also have to look at the tax treaties between the country that you're in and the country that your customer is in, right? So we have to, let's say you have a customer in Germany. We're going to have to look at the tax laws of Germany combined with any tax treaties between the United States and the European Union. And And it depends on why they're there as well, right? If they're there for say military deployment or maybe yeah. just, maybe they're stationed there for the military or maybe they're, they're just, they want to live there for a few years. Their visa status might be different. Yeah. It just gets and, complicated. I assume. Yeah. It gets very complicated when you're talking about cross cross border. Um, and it's one of the reasons why cross border is, um, is a specialty within most services right? Is mm-hmm. it's because there's a lot of complications that are associated with it. Yeah. Um, Do you know if that software can help with that, that Evalara? I don't know what their global, um, I don't know what their global uh, capabilities are. Um, I would say that if you're looking at doing that, right? that what you really want to do is you want to have a good idea of, um, oh, I just went to their website and they do do cross-border. Okay, there you go, Debbie. She said, Debbie says, never mind. And I'm wondering why she's saying, never mind. Are we making it more complicated than she wanted to? <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, the, the challenge comes down to, do you have, do you have enough of a business presence within that locality to have their laws connect, right? right? 
So if you have a client in Germany, it is highly unlikely that you're going to have enough business presence there. If you have five clients in Germany, I don't know. If you have 20, I don't know, right? So as you have more clients, you increase your um, you in, you increase your exposure to being subject to these laws. Uh, at right. a certain size or a certain amount, you're not really going to have to worry about it all that much. At the same time, you may have real, really, really big problems if you are doing business in with clients in another country if you don't understand that country's laws. Um, some countries, financial coaching requires it to be licensed. And they are going to view you as an international criminal. <laughs> Great. Right. Because <laughs> it, it's the same thing in the United States. Selling an antique gun is totally legal. If you sell that same antique gun to a uh, person in Great Britain, you are now an international arms dealer in the eyes of, of England. So don't don't go travel to England because you'll be arrested when you land. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so the um, and so a, as you look at that, it's really really important that you know if you're going to do things internationally that you don't just take on a client internationally and say oh it must be fine right. The laws of a government are there to protect its citizens, which means that you are subject to the laws that protect the citizens of that other country. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so Debbie says, just as an FYI, she says, tax jar has an integration with acuity, which is great to know. That's awesome. Um, so I'll have to look into that one a little bit more. And then she says she has Canada figured out, but she doesn't want the headache of non-US. So other than Canada, apparently she's just, are you, is she based in Canada? I'm not sure. Or is she based in the US, but working with Canadians? Yeah. Yeah. Working I mean, with, you know, cross-border, working cross-border is going to be a little bit easier in Canada and Mexico because yeah. you have closer ties with those two countries. Right? I was thinking that too. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that it's totally easy that you can do research or anything like that, but you will likely find you, you will likely find less restrictions and less hurdles to overcome in Canada and Mexico than you would in other countries. Yeah. Yeah. All right. She has one last question here. She says, how do you restrict clients from buying a physical product outside of the U.S.? So she lives in the U.S., but she has a handful of Canadian clients. But like a like let's say she's selling a budgeting course and it's a product. Yeah, so there are ways that you can do it in the system. Um, one of the ways that you can do it is you can just restrict certain localities from being able to purchase the digital product right. altogether. But that's going to be within the system that you use for billing and other things along those lines. So if you're not involved in the purchase, if it's just sort of a course on a website, let's say that you're on Teachable as an example, right? Then you would, there should be a way in Teachable of restricting by 
um, right. geographies, right? Yeah. Um, and as long as you have those settings set up correctly, then you've done everything that a reasonable person would. Right. So if they're going to lie or something. Right. You can't, then you can't control you that. You can't prevent that. Yeah. And, you know, if teachable system is not working, operate, you know, operating correctly, then that's okay as well. Now, if you decide, well, I'm just going to use a, and this is one of the reasons why I'm not a fan of, of um, WordPress, right? Um, you know, companies like Teachable, Kajabi, Squarespace, right? These are big companies. With WordPress, the plugin that you get, you have no idea where that plugin came from. It could be a 14-year-old mm. that thing together. Right. <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm not, that's not true. even, that's like, you're literally, right. Truly, there are <laughs> yeah. kids in high school mm-hmm. where their class project is doing software, right? <laughs> that's going to be my son, probably. Yeah. So it could literally be a 14 year old that put it together that sure did a great job with the programming because they were in the class, but the class did not teach them anything about international law. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so um, this is one of the big challenges of WordPress is you know, as you use it more and more, you don't know, you may not know the sources of those plugins and and the, how well researched they are. And so that becomes a, a potential issue there, right? Large companies, a little bit safer with regards to not safe. You still have to do your due diligence and your research, but safer with regards to um, the expectations of a reasonable person would be that a company that's traded on the New York Stock Exchange would have a product that would work the way it's it's suggested, right? Yeah. Okay, I think those. I think we got all the questions. Um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you thought that I was going to ask? I don't think so. I think the big thing is that most financial coaches don't don't have to collect sales taxes at the stage that their business is likely at, right? And that just has to do with the size of the industry in general, right? Right. Right. It's a very young, growing industry. And so most financial coaches, this is not something that they have to do at this stage but it is something they have to worry about. Keep it in your mind. Yeah. Because the laws will change. Yep. And as you start to collect more clients in other states, your exposure is going to increase. And the, uh, and as you start to grow your business, you're going to need to invest in software that can do these things for you. Yeah. Make your life easier. (laughs) Don't do it yourself. Well, make your life easier and make sure that you actually comply with the law. Right. Did you do it right? I don't see how it is physically possible for a human being to actually do the necessary research in all 50 states and every city yeah. and every state to yeah. actually accurate information. Yeah. Um, so can we go back to basics? One last question, because it's kind of going back to the original question, which is going back to your home state. You have to follow your state rules for anybody in your state, no matter what. Yep. Doesn't matter how much income you have or any of that. You have to follow those rules. So in my case, thankfully in Colorado, I do not have to charge sales tax currently, but I need to be careful 
with the product. I need to research again about the service. So because they're getting the software from me, I need to research that again. So it's making me think I need to go back and look at that again. Because I do have one client in my state. Yeah. Yeah. Colorado has nothing. California also has nothing on services. Right. Um, And then it's just all over the place, depending upon, you know, what state that you're in, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So. And it changes all the time. So it's not like we're going to, we can research it and give it to you guys. Cause I, I totally would, but if it's changing, then no, forget it. <laughs> yeah. And, it says you have to look at your County too, and your city. Yeah. And also realize that, you know, it's, it's not as simple as you might first think just from reading a blog article. One of my favorite examples yeah. of this is Nevada, right? So Nevada uh, does not have a sales tax, right? on products. Right. But they do have a sales tax on repairing the products. <laughs> okay. Right. So the services to per, uh, personal uh, property, they do have a, a sales tax on the services to personal property. Okay. You, you, you just be aware that some things can seem like, well, that doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Right. Because, because every state together, <laughs> every state makes money somehow. And that's what we always say is like, you know, cause we moved around a lot cause we were military and every state gets their money. Like you, you may gawk at like California that was um, real, you know, the taxes on your, your home are ridiculous, but, but, but there's other things that are lower taxes. So not much, but there's a few things that are lower taxes in California. We're, we're number one in almost everything. Almost everything. <laughs> I think liquor, liquor wasn't too bad. Cause you have to drink, you know, right. you have to drink to make yourself feel better. Right. About the taxes. Um, yeah. <laughs> the taxes exactly, but yeah, every state gets you somewhere, and and we've it just depends. You know, we've like we said, we've moved everywhere, and they taxed all different things, and it's been interesting to see how different they are from each other. But definitely do your research. Yep. All right, I think that's all that's we have. We don't have any note. new questions. So, what was that? <laughs> With that uplifting note, have a I know, good- I know. Just be aware of it. Be aware of it. Do some research and be prepared. That's all. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.